You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 167. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Lisa Reagan, who writes the best-selling of the Detective Josie Quinn series, as well as several other crime fiction titles. Her latest book, Her Deadly Touch, is the 12th book in the best-selling Detective Josie Quinn series. Had a great time talking with Lisa. She's had an amazing career, writes awesome thrillers. Uh, so excited to uh, bring that interview uh, to you here in just one moment. Before I get to that interview, though, I wanted to uh, let you know about thrillingreads.com forward slash links, which is where you'll find all my uh, links uh, right there on one page find my author website you can find how to join my mailing list thrilling reads by joining that mailing list you'll get great deals to great thrillers and mystery books only uh, you will also uh, be able to rate and review this uh, podcast or just go and uh, review and rate this podcast uh, wherever you listen to this uh, it's your favorite podcasting app i really do appreciate that all right here is my interview with lisa reagan I'm really excited today. I have Lisa Regan. She's a best-selling author of the Detective Josie Quinn series, as well as several other crime fiction titles. The latest book in the, in the Josie Quinn series, Her Deadly Touch, was published on August 12th. I just finished it a couple of days ago. Very excellent. Very creepy. <laughs> uh, welcome to the podcast, Lisa. Thank you. It's a thrill to be here. I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, thank you. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate appreciate that as well. Um, so can you give us a little bit about your, you have such a fascinating background. Can you give us a little bit about your background, your story of getting that first book published? I had always written books since I was 11 years old. And, um, but my dad was kind of like, you, you don't want to be a starving artist if you can help it. So, you know, like get another job and then write on the side and try to make that happen. And so I was always writing. I got a degree in English, a degree in education, and then took a veer off in a different direction and ended up being a paralegal. And all this time I was writing and I finally finished something that I thought other people might want to read. And that was Finding Claire Fletcher, which I finished in 2000. 2006, 2006. It took me four years and 154 rejections to get a literary agent. And then we were on submissions to publishers for two years. And then I got picked up by a small press that pretty much as soon as they put the book out, they closed. And um, so then I was indie for a while and I got picked up by Thomas and Mercer and um, that went pretty well, but it wasn't, I wasn't like breaking any records. So I was just kind of hanging out there (laughs) deciding what to do. And I loved the books that Book O'Chur was putting out. I really loved their authors. And um, I thought, wow, it would be, you know, really a dream to work with them. And so I pitched them a couple of books and they didn't like them. But the the editor, who is my still my editor now, said, you know, why don't you like send me every other idea that you have? And maybe we can come up with something that we we both love. And so... Um, I came up with a proposal for what is now the first Josie Quinn book, Vanishing Girls, which was originally called um, Found Alive. And then they changed the title before publication. And so I, I, I pitched her the idea and she loved it. And she said, uh, if you can write that book and come up with the proposal for maybe two more books and we'll talk. And I didn't want that opportunity to get away from me. So mm-hmm. I wrote Vanishing Girls in three months. Wow. And um, they had been 
um, sold to Hachette by the time I finished it. And I thought, oh no, you know, what if she's not there anymore? What if she's forgotten about me? You know, um, but no, I emailed her and and she remembered me. She wanted to read the book. And then um, we went back and forth, you know, over the contract details and the book details. And, and then she, uh, they offered me a three book contract. And I thought for sure that that con that those first three books were going to tank. And then I would be back out in the world really soon um, looking for another publisher. And much to my surprise and delight, the the series took off by book three. And so now I'm a couple contracts later and I'm contracted for a total of 20 books. Oh, uh, Josie, uh, Josie Quinn books. Yes. Awesome. And and over 2 million sales, right? So far. Yes. Yes. Over 2 million copies sold across the series so far. And that was before book 12 came out. Wow, that's just so awesome! So, like a perseverance, I like keep, yeah. keep, keeping at it. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's tough. I'm, I'm going through a query right now, and uh, when those rejections start coming in, it's <laughs> it's, it's so hard. Going. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and uh, before you started to write uh, these books, uh, like thrillers, were you a fan of the genre? Is that what you chose to write in that genre? Or I, I was, uh, and actually. I I started reading romant, more romantic suspense like Tammy Hogue and Lisa Jackson. And then I moved kind of into the Karen Slaughter, Gillian Flynn, Lisa Gardner, you know, moved a little bit away from the romance as, the, as one of the main focuses. And um, and I, I love the genre so much. I read, I'll read anything, but oh, I just love the mystery thriller genre so much. That's almost that's almost all I read because I just love it. It's so good. Yeah, those are great. And, and I have noticed too, I've, uh, the last couple of years, I find myself with uh, like you said, Thomas and Mercer and Bocature put out like the best thrillers uh, the last oh, couple of years. Do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they really uh, do. <laughs> um, so for people who aren't familiar with your books, can you tell us a little bit about what, what, what can they expect when they're reading one of your novels? With the Josie Quinn series, it's uh, a lot of police procedural Josie is a detective in a small city, a small fictional city, I should say, in central Pennsylvania, which is I I live in Pennsylvania, uh, mostly lived in Philadelphia, but I worked and lived and traveled all over central Pennsylvania. So it's been a lot of fun to set the books there. And Josie starts out as this kind of really brash and and angry um, rogue detective uh, on her force. And then with each case and each book, she, um, you know, grows a little bit as a person, as an investigator, and um, becomes a little less angry, and a little less brash. And she's trying to very hard to follow the rules. <laughs> <laughs> but I, with my books, I try to throw everything that I possibly can at her. So, you know, all the cases that she has to solve are really complex with really strange clues that don't seem to go together. And you may very often find her, you know, like hanging off a cliff or (laughs) just running after a suspect and tackling him, um, that sort of thing. So I'm not afraid to put her into physical situations either. Can you tell us a little bit about the uh, the latest one? It's uh, her deadly touch. Can you tell us uh, how that came together for you, what it's about? Yeah, actually, my editor came up with a kind of a loose premise for it, which was like, what if we had a support group and the members of the support group were were being murdered one by one? And so as we talked through it in a tragic school bus accident and one by one, they start being picked off. And Josie's job is to figure out who the killer is and, and why 
the killer is, you know, doing what they're doing. How do you come? So you, you say you wrote the first one in, in three months. Um, do you outline these? I'm, I'm kind of curious about your writing, your pro- process to, to get these out. Um, I have to outline them because it's I, just because the production schedule is so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't outline them, I'm, I'm like a psychotic mess. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I spend a lot of time. I actually spend a lot of time outlining and, and thinking about it and making notes and, writing what I call the crimes backstory. So the first thing I do is I sit down and I say, okay, Josie found a body. So how did that body get there? Who did it? What were the circumstances? Um, What maybe did they leave behind? Um, And so I write the, my, for myself, the crime, who was there, how it took place, what the motive was all of this history. And I'll spend weeks on that. And once I've got that, then I outline the actual book. And then I I will write the book pretty fast because by the time I'm done all that, the book is pretty fully fleshed out for me. It's just a matter of of writing the actual scenes. And what do you use to write your books? Do you use like Word or something different? Or oh yeah, just Microsoft Word. Oh, okay. I'm not like I don't have great executive functions, so I'm not <laughs> really well. I'm not really well organized. It's just literally like I have one document that's like initial outline and notes and backstory and character names and questions. <laughs> I just, I just all cram it into one, one word document. And then I'll use a different one to write the book. Yeah. Cause yeah, that's a pretty, uh, I noticed that too, with the, in the last few years with publishing, um, the schedule has gotten uh, really moved up now because you publish several books a year. Yes. Um, so yeah. So that's uh, how, how does that all come together? I'm assuming it's a great team behind you and, Oh yeah. It's, I couldn't not do this myself. And the team at Book Ocher is just absolutely amazing. I mean, they really take care of everything to the point where I'm literally just, I'm just writing the book and turning it in. And I have, and then I get to interact with my fans on social media, which is great, but I don't have to worry about the covers or the marketing or the, you know, what it says on the back of the book or, or, um, you know, trying to get reviews. They do all of that for me. So my entire focus is on the book and and my readers. Oh, that's wonderful! Yeah, and and yeah, you, the your the covers are so amazing. They're so uh, the colors, <laughs> <Yeah>. and the, <laughs> even though it's just like a, a a landscape or something, it still looks like creepy and eerie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for yeah. some reason, people I mean, people love the the creepy house. Um, <laughs> I was like so excited. I think a one for book six, I got a bridge. And book seven, I, I had a little John boat and I was so excited. <laughs> but, so it, looks like they, it looks like they're going away from like the shape. It used to always be like a shape of a person. Now it's a shape of a house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. That's so fascinating how, how all that works. I was wondering as well too now, um, how much uh, research do you put into your books, especially you know with the police procedural? Uh, do you do a lot of research beforehand? Yes, as much as possible. And um really mad at myself because I had a, folder that was two inches thick on book 12 of just my research. Um, and I threw it away because I was like, oh, book 12 is out. And now I'm like, oh, I could use some of those <laughs> notes and articles. Um, and so, yeah, anything that I'm doing, I really try my best to talk to whoever I need to talk to that that's going to be familiar with the subject. And I have a good, really good friend that I went to grade school with, actually, who is a sergeant in a uh, police department in Pennsylvania. And I will message him sometimes in the middle of the night and say, Hey, I need Josie to do this. 
you know, is this possible? And if it is, how would she go about it? And, um, you know, he'll take me through the process of what, you know, what wouldn't be possible, what would be possible. And then other than that, it's just a lot of um, kind of like cold calling people and saying, um, hey, I'm writing a book, you know, could you answer my questions? And like book, sometimes it's really awkward. So like book 13, we have a, there's gonna, I'm going to use a a dam. And um, I was looking for a dam expert, which is really hard to find for some reason. And then um, my stepdad, who's an engineer was like, why, you know, I could help you. I've worked on all these hydroelectric dams. And he's like, you know, like, what do you need to know? And I'm like, well, I, I need to know where I could get a body in there. And he was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was hoping for an engineering question, right? <laughs> Just this, yeah, yeah. Where could where could I put a body in a dam? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I was not expecting that. <laughs> Is that something that you like when you, whenever you're driving around is your imagination always like thinking about, Oh, it's a good place for a murder. <laughs> oh, constantly, constantly. Yes. It's ne- it just never stops. Um, everything I see is, is, is fodder for, um, you know, what could go wrong in a Josie Quinn novel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's been so great too. Uh, um, with seeing the progression, like you were saying in the beginning, like uh, there's been a lot of changes in Josie from the first book um, is that fun for you now? Kind of like like you're watch, you've been watching her like change and grow. Uh, I wonder how, how is that? How, do, how does that uh, work for you? How does that feel to see that uh, growth? I love it because I, as a as a reader and and a television watcher and a you know consumer of entertainment, uh, I really find it more gratifying, especially in a series. If you if 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 I'm watching and I've invested all of this time and energy into something that I'm reading or watching, if the character shows some growth as a human being, um, this may seem like a really silly example. Um, but ages ago, I I was a huge, huge fan of Grey's Anatomy um, until the season of the plane crash. That was I was that was too much for me. But um until then, I think it was like eight seasons. I, I watched that show religiously, was obsessed with it. And one of the things that was so exciting for me was watching the main character, Meredith Grey, grow as different things happened to her. And as you know, she moved through life and past traumas and all that stuff. And so I wanted to do that in my own work, that if, if you're going to read 12 of my books, then I hope that you will be gratified that you stuck around because Josie's going to transform in ways that you didn't expect. Yeah. I imagine it'd be kind of hard if you don't, if you're not doing that, because then you probably would lose the reader's interest if it's always the same. Um, I would imagine that's kind of, kind of makes it kind of more invested into the, into her and the books. And the yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very few, like, I guess line order was one show where it was always just the case, the case, and you didn't really, right. didn't really delve into the people, the characters, but that's, that was one in a million really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was wondering as, um, as well too, with um, this crazy year and a half that we've been having with this, the pandemic, has that uh, the, any uh, changes into the way you're doing things? Um, are you planning to address it in future books? What are your plans Um, I have not written the pandemic in any of my books. And the reason was because my readers were like, please don't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I had a lot of discussions online with them and over email and on social media. Um, and, you know, they were, because they're very, my audience is extremely engaged. Um, and they were all like, listen, we have to live with this every single day. When I pick, and they'll, like they would say to me, when we pick up one of your books, we're looking to get away from from this horrible reality, even if it's just for a few hours. So, you know, they really did not want the, the pandemic in the books. And, and I said, that's fine. If that's what the readers want, that's how I feel. I mean, every day of the last year and a half has been, you know, in its own way, kind of a special hell and um, watching what's happening to people and watching what's happening to the world and how people are getting sick and dying and suffering and losing their financial security. And so if, as a reader, if you gave me a choice between a book that was going to have that in it, (laughs) (laughs) that I'm living and one where I will be transported to somewhere that doesn't have that, I, I would pick the non-pandemic book. So that's my preference. There's nothing wrong with books that, you know, write the pandemic into them. Um, Karen Slaughter just did it with false witness. And I thought she did it extremely well. And I didn't feel stressed out by it. I thought it was really, really fabulous the way she did it. Um, But for me personally, I just have chosen not to, not to do that. Yeah. I think, yeah. Cause like we're, we're reading to, uh, to escape and then to, yeah, like you said, it's kind of like a reminder yeah, yeah. And, I've been, and I've been asking this for like the last six, seven months to my guests, and I think I, I should go check what the statistics are. But I think it's like ninety-five percent are are ignoring it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and so far the only books I've read, I read John Sanford's uh, later uh, Ocean Prey, and at the end he barely he mentioned it. Oh, like there's this new thing. This is at the end of of, of twenty nineteen. That was about it. So okay. Kind of, yeah. So yeah, that's the only book that I've read li- recently that has addressed even bro- uh, broached it. So yeah, so yeah. that's fascinating stuff. Um, I was wondering too because um, so just just because I'm nosy. Uh, what's what's like your writing day like? So like, uh, do you like have set hours? Do you set word goal counts? No, I used to try all that and it doesn't work for me <laughs> because again, I have a very disorganized mind. Um, and and I just want to say this. And I always say this to new writers, which is that, you know, if anybody's listening, um, because people are always like, oh, my God, you write three books a year. I can't do that. That doesn't mean anything. You shouldn't be worried about. You shouldn't be comparing yourself to anyone, um, especially not me because I'm very disorganized. Um, But I always say that the right the, the only right way to write a book is the way that works for you. And everybody's different. And so for me, um. I try to get in a couple of hours every day where I'm at least sitting at the desk. And and if I'm not actively writing, I will be taking notes and, and working on my outline or working on my backstory. But a lot of the times it's just me weeding in the yard or taking my dog for a walk and turning things over in my mind. And then while I'm supposed to be like at dinner, I'll be frantically typing stuff that I thought of. And then, you know, after dinner, I'm frantically typing stuff that I thought of. And um, and then, you know, like a month before the deadline, you don't nobody sees me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in the book and I can't be can't do anything else. I can't talk. I, you know, my husband just kind of slides food across my desk <laughs> and comes back for the plate later. So uh, somebody said in an interview recently, uh, another writer was like, oh, if I if you wrote a book 
in a month, I wouldn't read it because it would suck. And I thought to myself, you know, if I had 12 months to write a book, (laughs) I would think about it and take notes and outline and think about it and think about it and think about it some more and make more notes for 11 months. And then I would write it in the last month. That's just how I operate. That's the way my brain works. So it's not efficient and it's not fun for your loved ones, but, <laughs> but it's working. It's working. It, it works, works for, for me. Yeah, like you said, whatever, whatever it takes for whoever, for all different writers to have different ways of doing things. So that's the important part. And so then um, I was wondering too, like, with, with, as the series progresses too, and now you have, uh, there's 20 more, 20 books going to be out in Josie Quinn. How do you keep all the, stuff in order all the timeline stuff is that, is that challenging do you have to go back and check the oh, last book or it's so challenging and i think around i want to say book four maybe i was spending so much time looking through the the first three books trying to figure out you know who i named what and where <laughs> i put things and that um i found this really lovely woman named claire milto who does book bibles uh no, not book bible series bibles and I, I contacted her and she said, I would love to do it. And she made me a Microsoft Word document. It's like color coded by book. And uh, with every book, I send her, you know, the new book and she goes through it and she adds all the new stuff to it. So then I have the book Bible open um, on my desktop the whole time I'm outlining and the whole time I'm writing so that if there's any question, I can just search by word. Like if I can't remember something about the hospital, I, I just search, you know, Denton Memorial Hospital and her entry comes up and, um, oh, it's wonder. It's the best thing. It's I couldn't do it without without her or without that Bible. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I didn't realize that the, that there's people who would who, who do that type of, uh, of work. That's that's, yeah, that's a not great many, idea. I don't think. But <laughs> yeah, I think you have to have a special mind, like the editor mind, you know, like even right. you, you could be a great writer and everything. But to edit, it's just it takes a whole different uh brain cells or something which is amazing i could never how they pick things up you know and oh, this, yeah. it's page eight you had you changed the name on page 50 you know I was like oh yeah <laughs> you've read it a million times you still went right you over you don't see it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, this is that's chris nuts yeah right now you said you're working on book number th- uh 13 is that the yes. it, and so what uh when when is that one coming out can you give us a little teaser on that at all um that one will come out in december I have the tentative title, but I don't think I'm allowed to say it yet. Um, <laughs> and um, basically, a, uh, I'll just say this. A series regular disappears, and then a dead body is found, and Josie has to uh, piece together the connection between them both to uh, solve the case cases. And so what's uh, then, are you already working on the next one then? Are you like usually like ahead of, of your schedule? Usually I would be. Um, I'm a little behind this year um because my my dad passed away in april um so i've been yeah it was really it's been really tough so i'm just behind normally by now i would probably have you know a pretty full outline for book 14 but i have a couple of ideas so as soon as i am you know i get this first draft of, of book 13 tightened up and send it off for you know the next several rounds of edits then i'll like be working on my 14 outline all day. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering too, as more of these books come out, do you, th- does the process get a little smoother for you or is it still like nerve wracking when a new book comes out? 
you would think that it would get smoother, but no, (laughs) no, (laughs) because I'm always, I'm always trying. I always want to get better. So I always want the new book to be better than the last one. And so I'm always like, oh my God, I don't know if this is good enough. (laughs) And uh, it's just, it's very stressful. Um, yeah. So, I mean, in terms of the pro, like what my process is, I, I know what it is by now. It's never surprising. I'm not as stressed out in terms of that, but, um, I'm always stressed out about trying to bring readers a better book. Yeah. I can imagine having a deadline too. That'd be kind of stressful to have a deadline (laughs) or does that help? Yeah. It's always a thing. Oh my God. And my, my family, like their favorite sentence is the book is in (laughs) celebration time yeah well we can talk to mom again yeah 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 i was interviewing somebody just last week they were saying that they put a sign on their door like when they're in the need to get that book out like don't don't even come in here unless the house is on fire (laughs) yeah yeah. we i do have a lot of aspiring writers that listen to this podcast i always like to ask and you have such a, a wonderful uh a story of your success. Uh, any advice for aspiring writers out there that are perhaps struggling to get that first book out there? Yes. Yeah, so I I have a lot of advice actually from aspiring writers. <laughs> awesome. Um, my first thing I would say is read, 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 and read. Um, you should do your best to choose a, a genre. I'm not, that's not to say that you can't work in other genres, but typically if you put out one book and readers love it, they're going to want more of the same. So, and it, and typically publishers, you know, they're looking for, you know, to grow your audience. So it's, it's a lot easier if you have a genre. And then once you've chosen it, you should read as much as possible within it. Know what's going on, know what the tropes are, know what the devices are, uh, that sort of thing. And then I would say write as much as you can, even if you're not working on a manuscript per se, if you're writing notes, if you're writing emails, if you're writing letters to your Congress people, um, whatever, if you're getting your thoughts from your brain onto a page, that is excellent. That is practice. That's going to serve you well. Um, And the other thing um, I I said this before is the only right way to write a book is, is what works best for you. So you really need to figure out what your process is. And that's a lot of sometimes trial and error. Um, But don't listen to a writer, like, for example, who says, I get up at 4 a.m. and write for two hours before my family wakes up. You know, like I was never able to do that. I'm not even even with coffee. I'm not even functioning by 9 a.m. So um, not everything is going to apply to you. You need to to figure out what works and what doesn't. And then don't feel bad about discarding things that don't work for you. And finally, I would say that this is very, 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 very important, especially if you want, if you're not published and you want to be published, is that you cannot be precious about anything that is in your book. You have to be willing to cut, to change, to revise, to edit, and you have to be prepared to be absolutely savage. And so you also, you're going to need a very thick skin, Um, not just for that, but for later when you're getting um, bad reviews, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you can't be precious about what's in your book. A lot of times as writers, we um, really fall in love with the characters or the the words that we've written or the scenes that we've written. Um, And we feel like, oh, I have such an important story to tell. 
and I, and I'm sure that we do, but you know, a lot of times if you just want to sell a book to a publisher, um, or if you just want to publish a book that, that a lot of people are going to read and enjoy, then sometimes you need to make hard choices about what goes into that book and what doesn't. And, and that means, you know, you may have to cut things that seemed like the greatest thing that you ever wrote, but you just need to do it. You just need to do it. Yeah. That's good advice. I think it's also with the, it reminds me of the, of writers that I hear that say they don't like to market or sell the book, but I mean, that's, you have to, right. I mean, that's part of the business. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And I think as writers, you need to decide, um, you know, like I write commercial fiction and that means that I want my main goal is to entertain. And so uh, there's sometimes I sacrifice, you know, maybe some deep literary uh, themes and meanings to, in order to bring you a couple of hours where you're going to be absorbed and transported and not think about what's going on in your real life. So as writers, we need to decide, you know, what are, what are we trying to accomplish? Do I just want to entertain someone for a few hours or am I writing for other reasons? Neither one is wrong. None of the reasons are wrong, but you know, you need to decide what you're doing in terms of getting published. Yeah, that's good advice. And so where can the listeners uh, find you? Is that your website is lisaregan.com. Is that probably the best place? Yeah. If you go to um, www.lisaregan.com, L-I-S-A-R-E-G-A-N, you can find everything there. And I like to encourage people to come over to my Facebook page. You don't have to be a fan or even a reader, but I give away a lot of books over there. Not, not just mine, but um pretty much every author that I've ever read that I love, which is a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm always giving away books that I'm excited about. And so it's a great place just to come, maybe win a free book, get turned on to new authors if you like to read. All right, Lisa. Well, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast. Really enjoyed uh, talking to you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Meet the Thriller Author. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with one of your favorite writers of mysteries and thrillers. Or if this episode's guest is new to you, I hope you give their books a chance. Helping listeners discover new authors and books is one of the coolest outcomes of doing this podcast. As always, you can head over to thrillerauthors.com to sign up to my Thrilling Reads email list. That way you won't miss out on any great deals in thriller and mystery books. You can also check out all the links and resources in the show notes for this episode over at thrillerauthors.com. And also please do subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so already and leave a rating and review wherever it is that you're listening to this show. If you have done that already, I thank you. I really do appreciate your support. For my other links to my author website, social media haunts, and more, uh, check out thrillingreads.com forward slash links. All my links will be uh, on that uh, page. So that's it for this episode. Uh, See you next time and stay safe out there.